All right, welcome to The Last Word with Dan Perosi. It is October 15th, uh, doing on a Thursday instead of the usual Wednesday bit. Uh, couldn't do it last night. Did not do it last week. I slacked a little bit. Um, uh, anyway, last week of my picks, I still did my picks. I went 9-5. and five, uh, Brings me to 47-30 and 30 on the season. Um, not really where I want to be. I've had a rough couple of weeks. I've only had one really good week. Um, uh, today, actually, you know, is our, is our Thursday night game between the Falcons and Saints. But more importantly to me, Game 5 of the National League Divisional Series between the Mets and the Dodgers. Mets will be going first pitch in about an hour and a half in Los Angeles. So it is 6.30 out here on the East Coast right now. Uh, obviously, I'm very hev- heavily emotionally invested into that game. Uh, that's all I'll be doing come 8 o'clock. I'm, I don't really plan on moving besides bathroom breaks, and even then I may risk it and see how I do, which usually doesn't turn out well for me. Uh, I may have some guests coming through. Um, the Slumlord is taking a nap right now, um, and Taylor should be arriving soon. And I think my friend Bob's coming by, so maybe I have some people sitting in going over the picks. I want to get this out pretty quickly just because I want to be all in on the game once it gets started. Anyway, we'll jump right into the picks then with our Thursday night game. Uh, I'll look pretty smart if I'm right here. We have the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Falcons are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Falcons coming off a big come-from-behind victory in overtime over the Washington Redskins, a pick six that sealed the game where they played a little sluggishly early on. Julio hasn't been as dominant as he started out, but uh, they got it done, and that Dan Quinn defense is continuing to play well, continuing to be flying to the ball, and it looks like for the first time in God knows how long that the Falcons have a competent defense to go with that effective offense. On the other side of the thing, we have the New Orleans Saints, who, after getting their big victory two weeks ago, laid an absolute egg against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they are rightfully the three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. A few years ago, if you told me that the Saints would be on a losing streak at home and just aren't playing well, or were on a losing streak at home, just generally... Breeze aged overnight. Breeze doesn't look as bad as Peyton does, but he doesn't look particularly great either. But that, it's not just Breeze. It's the entire team. They have no defense. They haven't been able to run the ball. They haven't been able to block well. There, there's nothing they're doing particularly well right now. So in a divisional game, it's always harder to be you know, completely sure about your picks. But in one like this where the Falcons are clearly one of the top teams in the NFC and in all of the NFL – while the Saints look like one of the worst teams in the NFC and in all of the NFL. And makes me look like an idiot for going ahead and picking them to win the NFC South before the season started. But no one saw a lot of this coming with the Saints. Uh, a lot of people liked them to win the division as well. Uh, and clearly I fell in line there. The, the Saints, to win this one, they're going to have to turn it into a shootout. They can't let the Falcons' defense get comfortable and get to Drew Brees. They're going to have to spread the ball out. They have to get the running game going. But specifically, I think they have to spread the ball out. They need multiple receptions from different targets. And, you know, if they can get a decent lead and then allow Mark Ingram to run the clock out a little bit, that'll work in their favor. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen here. I think that the Falcons are too good on both sides of the ball. Uh, Devontae Freeman has been uh, a godsend for them and fantasy owners. And obviously, you still have Julio Jones, Hankerson, and Roddy White, who hasn't done anything at all. And Jacob Tammy, who had a big week last week, much to the love of Taylor Micah. So, in this one, I'm going to have to take the, Fa- the Falcons. Uh, they're the clear, superior team. Right now, they have the better quarterback, the better running back, the better wide receivers, the 
better defense. I don't want to say better head coach because I have too much respect for Sean Payton, but he has not coached particularly well this season. So I will take the Falcons to win this one tonight in what is going to be a fairly non-competitive Thursday night game, as it seems like it usually goes. But, you know, it, it works in your favor playing at home on Thursday night. It's been proven that the road team struggles in those games. So we'll see, but I am confident the Falcons win this one by at least a touchdown. Next game we have is the Denver Broncos at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Denver four-point favorites coming off a victory over Oakland where really it was their defense that did it for them. They had no offensive touchdowns. It's only the second time in the last, I think, 10 years that's happened to a Peyton Manning team where he didn't lead them to a single touchdown. Um, And their defense is... Just There's nothing you can say bad about it. They get to the quarterback. They turn the ball over. They can press. They can play zone. There, there's nothing they're bad at. Chris Harris is playing corner as well as anyone in the league. And he, and he has Aqib Tlaib opposite of him who can play as good as any corner when his game is on. And obviously on offense, they're just they're not playing particularly well. I don't think it's so much Peyton as it is the running game is not going. And Gary Kubiak's system is based on getting the running game going. And when you're averaging 2.4 yards per carry, uh, it, it's not going to help. And C.J. Anderson's not helping the, the Broncos or fantasy owners. He was a first-round pick in a lot of leagues. Now, the Browns coming off that inspired, uh, impressive victory over the Baltimore Ravens where Josh McCowan broke a Browns franchise record for passing yards in a game. He's broken the two-game record um, as well, and he's playing pretty well for him. i got to give him credit. Uh, tip of the cap, I was very hard on McCowan, very hard on Mike Patton, but uh, they seem to... They, they seem to rally around him. Maybe it's the the journeyman thing where he's finally getting his shot to start. But uh, he's playing really well. But it's not going to help him here. Josh McCowan has never done particularly well against good defenses in his career. The Baltimore Ravens is not a good defense. Uh, now, offensively, the Browns have been doing some good things. I really like Duke Johnson. I think they need to use him more. I think he could be the second best back out of this draft. Um, but I don't know if they're going to have the offensive weapons to spread out the Broncos' defense and make them uncomfortable and create mismatches. On Denver's side of things, it's as simple as that. You have dominant defense. Don't don't get don't get lazy. Don't get sloppy. Wrap up your tackles. Don't let anyone get behind you. Um, it, it it comes down to that pretty much. Now, if the Broncos can get the running game going a little bit, that'll go a long way because that'll make the entire offensive line block better in the zone blocking scheme that Kubiak runs, and then they'll allow to play action. Uh, you're still waiting to see a huge game from Demarius Thomas. Emmanuel Sanders has been steady all year. And I think it's hurting pain a little bit that he doesn't have a tight end he's comfortable with. I'm very surprised at the lack of production from Owen Daniels. Regardless, I think they are clearly the vastly superior team. They have the best defense in the league right now, and that'll make the difference. Denver wins, and Denver will cover the four points. They're going to win by probably like five points, uh, probably end up being closer at the end of the game. Next game we have is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. The Bengals, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, Bengals coming off that big come-from-behind victory over the Seattle Seahawks, um, and Buffalo coming off also a come-from-behind victory against the Tennessee Titans. Um, Cincinnati, right? I got cats freaking out underneath me, but... Uh, Cincinnati, right now, they have one of the league MVPs in Andy Dalton, who's playing the best football of his career. Uh, You can't say anything bad about the way he's playing. It obviously helps that he has Julio Jones, offensive weapons in the backfield like Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. you got some pretty good pass catchers all around. I mean, Sanu's not bad. Uh, Tyler Eford's playing out of his mind. The offensive line is great. And defensively, the Bengals can't do much wrong right now. Um, it, it doesn't. It's never good when you're down by 17 points at home, but they found a way to come back against one of the most respected and vaunted defenses in the NFL 
although last year's Seahawks team would not give up a 17-point lead at any point. On Buffalo's side of things, uh, they were behind late and for most of the game against Tennessee. Tennessee really dominated time of possession. They lead the league in time control, actually, and Buffalo still found a way to win. Uh, they're going to get LaShawn McCoy back this week. They hope to have a much healthier Sammy Watkins. Uh, no idea how much he'll actually play, but having him on the field obviously makes a difference. And uh, But now they have to worry about Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Taylor is not expected to play. They're expected to turn it over to former first-round pick EJ Manuel, who has not played well in his NFL career. And this is a lot of a game that a lot of people are calling a trap game because the Bengals just won a big divisional game, or they won a big, a big matchup against a the two-time defending uh, NFC champions, and now they're going up to Buffalo. But it's not like they're going up to Buffalo playing um, an average team. They're going up to what is to Buffalo to play what is a pretty respected Buffalo Bill team right now that you know what they can do on defense with the defensive line. You know that they're going to commit to running the ball, and you know they have athletic quarterbacks that can scramble out of the pocket. It's not like it's some kind of surprise what Buffalo can do and what they want to do to you. So that's why I think the idea of this being a trap game is a little goofy. Now, the reason it would be called a trap game is because Cincinnati is favored so heavily on the road against a good team. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I don't think E.J. Manuel is going to be able to make the plays that he's going to have to make. Because Andy Dalton, even if he gets beat up and he doesn't have a great game, if he has his worst game of the season, you know A.J. Green is going to get his at some point. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to get a few big catches. He's probably going to get a touchdown. And will they be able to respond? Uh, will they be able to play a clean game in Buffalo? They never can. I'm sure Rex is going to have him motivated because you know you're playing an AFC favorite. Rex has always done good against the Bengals. But... I don't think they're going to be able to respond, and I don't think they can play a clean game as far as penalties go. So here, I, I like the Bengals to win, but I would take Buffalo to cover the three and a half points. I think it's going to come down to like a field goal kind of game where Buffalo's in it the whole time, but the thing that when, when the game's over, everyone's just going to say they didn't have the quarterback to score that go-ahead touchdown. So I like the Bengals here, but Buffalo will cover the three and a half, I think. Next game we have is the Minnesota Vikings against the Can or the Kansas City Chiefs at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Vikings are four point favorites. Uh, Minnesota is coming off their bye week. Before that, they lost to Denver, a tough loss. Kansas City uh, is uh, coming off a loss to Chicago, which was a huge upset, and the bigger loss for them was losing uh, Pro Bowl running back Jamal Charles for the season to his second torn ACL. And uh, the Chiefs were. An AFC wild card team for a lot of people. Uh, I thought they were, you know, seven to nine, nine to seven. They don't even look that good. Uh, it, it's hard to say if they're going to be able to do anything this uh, this season. The Chiefs. They could be one of the worst teams in the league. Alex Smith is playing his worst football since he came to uh, Kansas City. He's not moving the ball down the field. He's relying on his checkdowns too much, and he's not relying on his legs much either. Uh, the biggest problem for the Chiefs is their offensive line, and former first overall pick Eric Fisher has played so poorly, and apparently he even asked Andy Reid to not play right tackle in the game against the Texans because he didn't want to have to block J.J. Watt. That that tells you a lot about the state of his mental state. And it's not like they're facing um, a fantastic defensive line in Minnesota, but they're an effective defensive line because Mike Zimmer knows how to blitz properly. And Minnesota, as I said, they had that tough loss to Denver where they played way better than I expected, but they couldn't pass block late for him. That's going to be something to look out for here. Uh, Kansas City obviously is a very, very good pass rush. And will they be able to pass protect for Teddy Bridgewater when it is crunch time? 
ultimately, I think they will. I think that Kansas City, um, they look like a demoralized team. It looks like they are not comfortable with anything they are doing. Um, they, they don't Now that they don't have Jamal Charles, that's half their offense, at least half their offense. I mean, Niall Davis played well last year when uh, Jamal Charles was out, but it's different to replace him for a full season on uh, a team that looks like it took a big step back. So in this game, I see a huge game from Adrian Peterson. I think Mike Wallace will have a big game as well, and I think that the Vikings come away with that as they try to prove that they are an NFC wildcard contender. So I do like Minnesota, and I like them to cover the four points at home as well. Uh, next game we have is the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Houston or Jacksonville, one-point favorite. Look at them. One-point favorite. Uh, they lost to Tampa Bay. Uh, uh, Blake Bortles probably had the best game of his career. Uh, the thing that Blake Bortles is doing effectively this year, which is one of my biggest critiques of him last year, is he is effective in the red zone. Last year he was the worst quarterback in the league in the red zone, and right now he is one of the best. He has cleaned up his mechanics in the red zone. You still see him make a couple of those throws that make you raise your eyebrows, but when he's gotten into the red zone, he hasn't made those. He has eight touchdowns in the red zone to no interceptions, which is especially impressive for a young quarterback. Uh, but Jacksonville defensively couldn't do much last week. They let Doug Martin and Jameis Winston move the ball at will, and it, obviously that's not going to work. And now they're facing a Houston team that is kind of in flux. Um, they Ryan Mallett got hurt in the game last week. Brian Hoyer came in, played particularly well, but then he made a, tip, um, a typical Brian Hoyer play where he just made a dumb throw that lost the game for him. Houston had no business losing that game and losing to a Matt Hasselback that was in the ER the night before the game until 2 in the morning with a virus. Um, now, Brian Hoyer, as I said, he came in and played well, and he just made that bad throw, but they couldn't get the running game going again, Houston, which is a big part. The offenses are designing plays away from J.J. Watt, which is Romeo Cornell. What he's doing is he's trying to slant over the defense to allow J.J. to get some penetration on the offensive line, and it's just not working. Uh, I think they need to simplify the defensive game plan here. Let J.J. do what he's done so well in his NFL career. They don't have a great offensive line in Jacksonville, although it is improved. And they don't have a great running game, but it is getting better. And you're letting the young rookie running back, T.J. Yeldon, get better. I think in this game, I, I, I see an upset here. I think that Houston's going to be able to finally have that dominant defensive game we've been waiting for all year. They've had flashes of it, but they haven't had that game where that defense takes over like so many people expected coming off a loss that they thought a game they thought they should have won facing a divisional rival that they've played particularly well against in recent years and now that Brian Hoyer is going to have a feel for the full week a lot of it could have been Houston could have played so poorly because they thought that Hoyer deserved a shot after that week one game we will never really know but he did play well and the offense moved the ball once he got it and I think they'll be able to move the ball here so in this game, I'm going to take Houston, and I like obviously I like them to cover the one point. I didn't take a lot of upsets this week, but this is one divisional game I think I have to roll with. I think they got it going. I think that um, they're going to be able to uh, do too much on defense and that Jacksonville will not be able to do enough. Let's see. Next game we have, I should have a guest with me soon. Bob will be here. Uh, next game we have are the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions. Detroit three-point favorites right now. Um Detroit coming off a brutal loss to the Arizona Cardinals where Matthew Stafford was benched. They could not do anything offensively. They still don't trust rookie running back Amir Abdullah because of his fumble problems. Calvin Johnson doesn't look like a, he's still a very good wide receiver, but he doesn't look like Megatron. Uh, and Golden Tate hasn't been able to get going. It's just, it's a, it doesn't help that their defense isn't playing very well either. You can tell that they're missing their big pieces on defense from last year. 
but everything in Detroit just looks like a mess. It's it, I don't think they're as bad as their 0-5 record indicates, but they're not very good either. And on the other side of things, Chicago coming off two impressive upset victories in back-to-back weeks. Uh, I like what Adam Gaze is doing with Jay Cutler. He's allowing him to kind of air the ball out more, get a little more underneath his throws in the middle of the field instead of just bombing it deep each time like Cutler likes doing. Let him go with the 15 to 20-yard ones where not many people can make the throws like Jay Cutler can. Also helps that Matt Forte is leading the league in rushing. But mark my words, the Detroit Lions will get their first win of the season this week at home. They, they kind of Golden Tate kind of called out the fan base because the fan base turned on the Detroit Lions quickly last week. I think playing the Bears, a team that this fan base hates, will get them a little more motivated. I think that Matthew Stafford has a lot to prove after being benched last week, playing the worst football of his career, as he's statistically one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. And I think that's going to change. I think that they're going to rely a lot on Amir Abdullah. I think that they're finally going to get Golden Tate involved effectively. Um, Golden Tate put up his biggest games last year when Calvin Johnson was out. Now, I'm not saying you should flow the offense through Golden Tate, but I'm saying you should try to flow the passing game through Golden Tate right now until you can get Calvin Johnson into those those more mismatches that he can... He still has the physical presence that he you know he's always had but he's not as fast as he once was but if you get him in the inside the 30 the 20 where he can just dominate on a jump ball in the red zone and the five yard line that's what you want to do golden tate will be more effective as you want to move the ball down the field but you got to drill that into matthew stafford's head so i will take the detroit lions here and i think they're going to cover the three points i think they're going to have a victory where we're like wow where has this been all year detroit wins detroit wins big Next game we have is the Washington Redskins at the New York Jets. Jets six-point favorites at home. When's the last time you saw a spread like that for the New York Jets? Jets coming off a bye week. Before that, they beat some douche team from Miami uh, pretty handily, uh, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick did not have a great game. Washington coming off that loss to Atlanta where Kirk Cousins did Kirk Cousins things and made a terrible throw when the game was on the line. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear here that the Jets are the vastly superior team. They have better weapons on offense, they have better players on defense, and they have the better quarterback and head coach. However, Washington can make this a tricky game if they can play like they did last week, if they can control the ball a little bit, if they can limit... Fitzpatrick from making big throws to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Force him into some of those throws that you know Fitzpatrick is going to make. He's going to make four or five questionably bad throws a game. If you can force him to make maybe one more of those, two more of those, and take advantage of them and get a turnover. But that's not going to happen here. Uh, The Jets are too disciplined right now by head coach Todd Bowles. Uh, They're running the ball well. Chris Ivory's running as well as any back. They're pass protecting well. They're getting Sheldon Richardson back, which should be a big boost for that defensive line with Mo Wilkerson and Leonard Williams. Uh, The Jets are just a better team here. Washington, you know, despite having two victories, is not that good. And Kirk Cousins is pretty damn bad. So I like the Jets here. And uh, they should cover the six. But at six points, it's tough because I I could see this one being an ugly game, much like the Washington-Atlanta game last week. Uh, Hello, Bob. Hello. What's up, dude? I'm doing the podcast if you want to come and speak your mind at all. Um, Next game we have is the Arizona Cardinals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Arizona right now a three-point favorite. Uh, Arizona coming off that victory over Detroit where they absolutely dominated them. Killed Matthew Stafford, got him benched. Um, Pittsburgh coming off the, the victory over San Diego on Monday night where a real gutsy call by Mike Tomlin with five seconds left to go out of the Wildcat and let Le'Veon Bell score uh, ultimately proved the difference. Um, Arizona, despite losing a few weeks ago, I still think they are 
probably the most complete team in the league on offense, defense, and special teams. Um, especially now, you know, Larry Fitzgerald looks like he's back. Chris Johnson is playing as well as he's ever played in his career. He's not getting as many big runs, but he's showing more patience than he's ever had in his career. And obviously, you know, their defense is good. Between Patrick Peterson and the Honey Badger, they're doing a lot of great things. On Pittsburgh's side of thing, they're still adjusting to life without Ben Roethlisberger. Michael Vick is not taking advantage of having the best wide receiver in the league in Antonio Brown. Uh, they obviously have Le'Veon Bell, and they're trying to feed it through there. But if you're not going to attack with your best player, you're not going to beat a team as good as Arizona. So in this one, I think that all they have to do, Arizona has to do, is not turn the ball over. If they lose a turnover battle, they lose this game guaranteed. Control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, don't turn the ball over, and force Michael Vick into making the, the kind of plays that you know he's going to make, where he scrambles and fumbles, or he throws a dumb pass that gets intercepted. Um, if you can get points on there early, you're going to win this game a lot easier because Michael Vick cannot play from behind at this point in his career. So I like the Arizona Cardinals to win this game, and I like them to cover the three points as well. Next game we have are the Miami Dolphins at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Titans coming off the loss to Buffalo where uh, Mariota couldn't make a play late. They frustrated him too much in the pass rush game, and they just couldn't move the ball when it mattered. They were only able to put put up 14 points against that defense at home. Uh, Dolphins suck coming off that awful loss in London to the Jets um, in their bye week. They fired that asshole head coach, Joe Philbin, fired their defensive coordinator, bigger asshole, Kevin Coyle, and promoted their tight end coach, Dan Campbell, the head coach. Dan Campbell, who was the youngest coach in the league at 39 years old, has no head coaching experience, but he's the complete opposite of Joe Philbin because he's not a pussy. He's angry. The guy, if you look at him, he looks like he could play in the NFL today at age 39, and he's going to get the team more aggressive. And you know what I'm going to say here. I'm obviously going to pick the fucking Dolphins because I'm an asshole. I'm not betting against my team ever. I think they can beat the Titans, but I thought they could have won the last fucking three weeks too. So I, I really don't know. I think that the changes are good because they're benching. They're, Joe Philbin had a thing about not wanting to play young players for some reason. And now he's fine. the new coach is like, yeah, we're going to give Devontae Parker a chance. They're making changes at guard, which has been the worst guard played in, play in the league. And they're going to allow Ryan Tannehill to audible, which he's never been allowed to do for some reason. So the obviously what that means is he's giving more control of the players, which is what they want. So I think coming off your coach getting fired, teams usually respond pretty well. They at least play tough. If they get off to a hot start and come out fast finally, they'll definitely win. But I still think they're going to win. They're going to cover the three points. Obviously, I'm a fucking homer. I don't care if I'm a homer. i got to pick my fucking team. All right. Next game is the Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I'm, I'm pretty surprised at this spread that Seahawks are, se- Seahawks are seven-point favorites to an undefeated team at home. That, that's an interesting spread. Um, now, Seattle's coming off the loss to Cincinnati where they blew a 24-7 lead. And as I said... Um, the Seattle Seahawks defense of the last few years would not blow a 17-point lead at any point. Uh, they have the worst offensive line play in general in the league. Uh, Russell Wilson's on pace to get sacked 70-some-odd times this year, which would be an NFL record. Um, they obviously miss Marshall and Lynch. They don't know how to use Jimmy Graham. Last year, Jimmy Graham was used on 9% of blocking plays, and this year he's being used on 24% of blocking plays, which is not a way you want to use him. He's a big wide receiver is all he is. Um, Carolina is coming off um, their bye week. Before that, they won a game against Tampa Bay. Um, 
I, I don't know. This the good thing for Carolina is they're getting Luke Keekley back this week, which should be a boost, a big boost to one of the best defenses in the league. And I, I like Seattle to win this one because we know how good their home field advantage is. We we saw last week, even though they lost, they played pretty well for a good amount of the game against a very good Cincinnati Bengals team. But the seven seven point spread is a lot. I mean, to be a touchdown against a perennial NFC favorite at home. So I'll take Seattle to win, but I like Carolina to cover the seven points. I think the emotional boost of Luke Keekley being back can make this a tight one that ends up coming down to a field goal from Stephen Hoshka at the end of the game. So I'll take Seattle, but I like Carolina to cover that seven. Next game is a big, even bigger spread. Uh, the San Diego Chargers at the Green Bay Packers. Packers 10.5-point favorites. Uh, Packers coming off a, a victory over St. Louis where Aaron Rodgers had his first turnover turnovers at home in, like, I think it was like 16, 17 games or something. Um, and But he still played really well. Uh, they had some big passes to James Jones. They protected him pretty well, although they still haven't gotten the running game going. The Packers' defense is playing as well as it has since they last won their Super Bowl. Uh, on San Diego's side of thing, they had a loss to Pittsburgh in the last seconds on that play by Le'Veon Bell. Um, they don't have a very good – San Diego, they – Philip Rivers had to go to a silent count because at home he couldn't hear over the Pittsburgh Steelers fans, which is not a good omen for a team ever. Um, in this one, I think San Diego, all they have is Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen and not much else. Uh, Eric Weddle on defense, but that's it. So um, at home, Aaron Rodgers, there's not much else really needs to be said. I think they finally get the running game going here. Big game from Eddie Lacy, uh, which will set up the play action for Rodgers, which is what he's best at. So I like Green Bay here. Um, covering the 10.5 is kind of tough, especially when you're paying a, a decent quarterback in Phillip Rivers. But at home, I'd have – oh, man. I don't know. That's tough. 10.5 points. I, I think Green Bay covers it. I think they win by like two touchdowns. That they're they're much better than San Diego, and the reason St. Louis played them tough last week is because they have that defensive line to pass rush, something that San Diego doesn't have. Um, and he's also getting his right tackle back this week, Rogers. So that'll make a difference. So yeah, they'll cover the ten and a half. Next game is a rematch of the Super Bowl a few years ago, although it's much different looking. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you only have one Harbaugh in this game. You uh, don't have a Ray Lewis. You don't have a Terrell Suggs. It, it, it's I, these are bad teams. Uh, the Ravens they they can't get out of their own way. They don't have a good defense. The running game is finally going, but they don't have a wide receiver to throw it to. Uh, on the 49ers side of thing, yeah, they they played the Giants tough last week. They lost in the last seconds, but they you still saw the same things from Colin Kaepernick. He's missing routine throws. All they really have is Carlos Hyde. Although he had a good game from Anquan Bolden, Vernon Davis doesn't look like Vernon Davis. And on defense, they can't do anything outside of Aaron Lynch. Um, the Ravens have lost a few games they should have won, including the one to Cleveland last week. And they, I think they know how to play Colin Kaepernick. They played him decently in the Super Bowl when he was at his best, and now he's at his worst. And Jim Tom Sewell is an awful coach. Uh, the only good coach on that staff is Eric Mangini as a defensive coordinator. So at, at Baltimore on the road, two and a half points. I think they'll cover that. They probably win by a field goal. Our next game um, is the biggest road favorite of the week. Uh, the New England Patriots at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Patriots eight-point favorites, which is probably fair. I know the Colts are getting Andrew Luck back. They won last week with Matt Hasselback playing um, for them against Houston. Uh, Patriots had a dominant victory over the Jaguars. Uh, Deion Lewis is playing great. Gronk is playing great. 
and they still can use LeGarrette Blunt when they choose to. Defensively, they're doing a decent job with their pass rush. Uh, the corners haven't played great, but they're doing just enough. Um, on the offensive line, he did lose his left tackle. Tom Brady lost his left tackle, Nate Soldier, for the year to a torn peck. Uh, which can make it a little more interesting, but the Colts don't have that kind of defensive line to get to him. And the Patriots generally play pissed off when they have something to prove, and you think that they want to mo- they're motivated to play the Colts, who started the whole deflate game thing last year in the AFC Championship. Um, the Colts, unfortunately, you know, having Andrew Luck back should be a big boost, and I think it, it'll be tight early on. Um, but the Patriots will win. I don't think they're going to cover the eight points because I think having Luck back and knowing the Patriots are pissed off is going to go go a long way. It's the kind of game I see the Colts or the the Patriots going ahead like by a decent amount early, but you'll see a late rally from the Colts that just comes up short. So I like the Patriots here, but to cover the eight points is is a lot. All right, next and last game is the Monday night game, the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Very surprised the Eagles are four-point favorites at home. Uh, Kind of dominant victory over the Saints, who we both agree the Saints suck ass. Um, they were. T- I thought that game would be a lot closer than it was, but the Saints proved just how awful of a team they are. Giants coming off a nice victory over the 49ers, playing as well as they have in the last few years consistently, getting the running game going. Uh, Eli's playing the best football of his career, or le- best football in a long time. Um, yeah, they lost Prince of Mucamara for this week. He's got a partially torn pec, um, which is going to allow the Eagles to attack a little bit more, but I still don't think the Eagles are that good. I think the Saints are just that bad, unfortunately. Um, now, it'll be interesting to see how they attack Amukamara being out and Odell Beckham being a little tweaked up. He tweaked his hamstring celebrating last week, which actually pisses me off a little bit if I'm a Giants fan or if I own him in fantasy. Um, so you don't know how good he's going to be to go as far as health. But um, I, I like the Giants here. I think they could pull off the upset at home. They generally play the Eagles very, very well. I think that um, the battle of Eli versus Bradford, which it's probably going to come down to, Eli will win. Um, the fact that the Eagles won't be able to run the ball well, despite having DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews, goes a long way. They're facing the best run defense, or one of the best run defenses in the league, in the Giants' defense, which is surprising. Um, but I think that when it comes down to, it's going to come down to quarterbacks in this game, and Eli will be able to edge out Sam Bradford. So obviously I like the Giants to win here and cover. So those are my picks for the week. I like the Falcons, Broncos, Bengals, Vikings, Texans, Lions, Jets. I don't like the Jets, but I think they'll win. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, Miami Dolphins, Seahawks, Packers, Ravens, Patriots, Giants. Um, before I finish up, uh, first que- I, I, I didn't get many questions because I did this kind of last second, but my, uh, my wonderful girlfriend decided to ask me to answer on the podcast, who is your favorite? Who would you think my favorite is, Bob? G- general, who's my favorite? No, my favorite person is what she means. Oh, um, well, I'd have to say, given the circumstance of how old Dan Perosi's friends are, yeah, obviously the favorite is me. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to agree right now. Um, Caitlin, you're my favorite, like 99 percent of the time, but this one percent, this moment right now, and I don't even think she's gonna listen to this because she she hears me enough talk and I talk a lot. She's probably sick of me. She'll probably listen about 20 minutes and then she'll miss her own question. Um, but this one percent right now because Bob gave a very passionate and a very good delivery. It was set up very well. In the particular case, it's me. Um, so right now, yes, Bob is my favorite. But I, uh, not to be corny, you're my favorite always, Caitlin. You fucking dipshit. Um, next thing is uh, the MLB playoffs, obviously. Um, we have our American League Championship Series set between the Royals and Blue Jays. That 
seventh inning of the Blue Jays game yesterday. I don't know if I've ever seen an inning like that in my life. Um, just between the fans' reaction, the terrible umpire call, uh, the review, playing under protest, and then the comedy of er- literal errors from Elvis Andrews and Mitch Moreland, and then the three-run home run from Batista, the fans again. I've never seen anything like it. It was a 57-minute seven, seventh inning, which is incredible. Um, I really like the Blue Jays in that series, although I'm very surprised they're not trusting David Price uh, in Game 1. They're going to um, Estrada, who they got from the Brewers. Um, I like the Blue Jays to win that series in 6. And obviously, in the NLCS, will be decided tonight who faces the Chicago Cubs. Game 5 between the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Jacob DeGrom against Zach Greinke. DeGrom, phenomenal Game 1. Uh, Greinke, very good Game 2. Only gave up two solo home runs. To say I'm amped up right now is unbelievably an understatement. Um, I'm giddy. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I barely ate all day because I've had a splitting headache and probably the anxiety of that as well. But I'm incredibly excited to see this. If they close out, I'm going to be ecstatic and I'm ready to face the Cubs. The Cubs fa- swept us in the regular season, but that was before Cespedes. There was before Clipper. There was before Uribe, before Kelly Johnson when it was a completely different team. We had no David Wright, no Travis Darnell. If they win tonight, they will beat the Cubs, and they will be in the goddamn World Series. Mark my fucking words. Uh, last question. Your opinion on D'Angelo Williams' situation, uh, the NFL denying his rights to wear pink all season to honor his deceased mother, and uh, also, in, in turn, your opinion on the fine that Cam Hayward got for wearing eye black to honor his late father, who also passed away from cancer. Um, I mean, it's the opinion is that it's bullshit. I mean, I can't be shocked. The NFL wants to make money off you when you're sick, but when you're dead, they'd rather act like you're not there. Uh, they don't care about uh, people suffering from cancer, survivors of cancer. They care about getting money from people that care about those people. And when that situation is not relevant to them anymore, they will pass it off and fine you because, once again, you are lining their pockets. It's utter bullshit how they do that. You you celebrated D'Angelo Williams' mother when she was struggling with breast cancer, but still come to games, when she wrote articles for you guys, you guys basically turned her into a mascot, and then she dies, and you tell him that he can't wear pink to honor his mother all year. And D'Angelo Williams is nothing but an upstanding citizen in his NFL career. Cam Hayward, his father is a former NFL player, 11 years in the NFL. His father dies of cancer, and you find him for wearing eye black to honor his father. It, it sucks. Uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I think everyone's been affected by cancer in some way. And it's it, it, the fact that it's not as big a deal, like the, that whether it's the government or the mainstream media isn't speaking on this, goes to show you the stranglehold that the NFL has over people that can make decisions to put the NFL out with bullshit like this. Uh, D'Angelo Williams, I respect him for dying his dreads pink for his mother, and he apparently is donating uh, 53 free uh, man. Uh, free mammograms to women that want to have breast cancer screenings, which is incredible. And I I hope that, you know, I hope Cam Hayward wears that eye black every day until someone, you know, sticks up for him and the players because it's bullshit that they can find you for something as simple as that. All right, we got through this podcast pretty quickly, 35 minutes. I'm way too amped up to watch this damn game to go on for an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Uh, Any questions, comments, I want to hear them. Criticism, keep them to yourself. Remember, you listen to me, you go to the top. You don't listen to me, you're never heard from again.